Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. It is Friday. We are going to be a little looser on the phone calls than we might otherwise normally be. I want to begin by hopping into the Wayback Machine and visiting a little bit of unpleasantness, but I, I, I do think it's needed to be done. This is from three years ago. I just wanted to re- re- read. There's, a, there's, a, there's an answer to this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Tony. He was my mentor, so I'm going to have to let him speak. The small print here, it's really small print. In states with evidence of community transmission, bars, restaurants, food courts, gyms, and other indoor and outdoor venues where groups of people congregate should be closed. So, Mr. President, are you telling governors in those states then to close all their restaurants? Well, their we bars? haven't said that yet. Haven't said that yet, but then they did. It was three years ago, actually last night, that President Trump shut the nation down, told governors to shut the nations down, issued the guidelines by which to direct the nation to shut down. Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, shut his state down for about 30 days. He reopened the state. And when he reopened the state, he was blasted by Donald Trump. This morning, I wrote uh, he was attacked by Donald Trump twice for reopening the state of Georgia before everyone else, including Florida. Uh, I was uh, I was advised by, let's say, someone in the line of fire of Trump's attacks. <laughs> Actually, it was three times. It was three times Trump did it on a Monday, the Tuesday, and the Wednesday uh, prior to the reopening. And, and then all the Democrats piled on Kemp because Trump piled on Kemp. And then a month later, DeSantis decided it was time to reopen everything in Florida and allow kids to go back to school. And DeSantis got attacked by Trump. Trump said he should not reopen the schools, that that it was endangering the children and everybody else, that that he should leave the kids at home. Donald Trump wants to be president of the United States again. We should at least remember this history at the end of his administration. If he wants to go back and attack Ron DeSantis as Ron DeSanctimonious, you could attack Donald Trump as Lockdown Don. If he wants to attack Nikki Haley for what she did or did not do as governor of South Carolina or as you an ambassador, she can respond that he platformed Tony Fauci. I don't know that, that we have dealt with this issue as we should. The Atlantic today is arguing uh, against the lab leak theory, claiming there is new evidence that perhaps actually it did come from the wet market in Wuhan through a raccoon dog. Uh, What's so interesting is that the researchers who advanced the theory haven't even released their information to a medical journal. They went on and rushed it to the Atlantic. 
they 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 didn't want peer review of their data. They wanted to get it on out there to combat the lab leak theory. They sure are insistent on being right. And this goes to the larger problem. Uh, this has been my problem all along with the entire situation. And I was one of the people at the very beginning was telling my listeners that, uh, you know, you do need to take what's going on with this situation seriously. When COVID, uh, word of it began spreading in late December, early January of 2020, late December 2019, early January 2020, I was on my radio show. Uh, then it was just statewide in Georgia and on WSB radio in Atlanta in the evenings telling people this probably is something we need to take seriously. You probably do want to start slowly buying goods if, if something happens in the country, if this gets out of hand, uh, you want to have uh, food, you want to have, uh, I, I did say toilet paper offhandedly joking and didn't actually think that we would have a toilet paper shortage in the country, which we did, but kept talking about it. And when they kept updating their guidance, I took them seriously. These, after all, were the experts. And I do think in some cases, for example, masking and things, uh, that they meant well and probably got it right and the virus mutated. But more importantly, on the mask issue, regardless of what you believe on the mask issue, it became pretty obvious within a few months in that people weren't wearing them where they were most likely to get masks and there was no way to enforce that. Whether you believe or not that the masks actually stopped the virus if everyone wore them, the reality was people were getting COVID, not in mass uh, settings, but in their home when they had people come by, when they were with their family, when they were in small settings. That's where they were getting in and, and they weren't going to wear masks. And the government trying to make people wear masks in those settings didn't do any good. And then over time, it became clear that the masks were just not working. I remember at a time when COVID started, we had neighbors who were leaving all of their groceries and everything on the front porch, any package, any mail, anything that came to the house. And before they allowed it in the house, put on gloves and a mask and went outside and sprayed everything down with Lysol. Um, people tended to believe the government. Most people took it seriously. And most Americans were willing to go along with 15 days to stop the spread, but that 15 days dragged out forever. And in blue states, it continued. I look at people like Ron DeSantis and Brian Kemp in Florida and in Georgia, and what they finally settled on was that they can't just put the public health people in charge. That yes, you have to be mindful of people's public health, but you also must be mindful of these people's businesses and their mental health and their children's education that you can't just run society based on one thing. And they got blasted by people in Washington, including Donald Trump, for reopening their states because they understood the effect it would have on a human being's psyche, on their soul, on their well-being. If you kept them locked up in their house, so that they couldn't get a virus, but then they lost everything around them. They lost their homes. They lost their businesses. They lost their livelihood. They lost their meaning in life. 
and some people did. Rates of suicide spiked, rates of despair spiked, rates of depression and anxiety spiked. All these things spiked. Real problems beyond the virus. There's never really been an accounting of this. I know some people, I, I know there's a book out now wanting Nuremberg-esque trials for these people. I don't. I do think a lot of these people meant well. I think over time, someone like Tony Fauci liked being on the stage. He liked being in charge. He liked these. The end of his career, he got to be the boss. I do think most of the public health experts, so the CDC, the FDA, National Institutes of Health, the federal government, the state governments, the state public health departments, they really intended to want to save people's lives. The problem is that it was so much more complex than what they wanted it to be, and many of them struggled for answers and decided to experiment. Deborah Burks largely conceding lockdowns were more of an experiment than anything. And they never had the humility to acknowledge they might have gotten things wrong. They might, just might, they might have gotten things wrong. They might have overplayed their hand. They might have made mistakes. In fact, oftentimes what we saw is they changed their guidance and they refused to explain what changed. Take Jerome Armstrong, the Surgeon General. This was Trump's Surgeon General who still wants everybody out there to get a vaccine and a booster 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 and another booster and get your kids boosted, 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 wear your mask. He came on my show. I said, why would you change? He admitted, essentially, they lied. They told people don't wear masks because they were worried people would go buy all the masks and first responders couldn't get them. And then once first responders had them, they wanted you to be in a mask. And in the beginning, there was a lot of data that the masking would work. The virus uh, was on water droplets that masks could block, but the virus, whether it mutated or whether it didn't actually work, whether the data was wrong or whether it was just people didn't keep wearing their masks, it didn't work out that way. I see, I have seen multiple people on multiple days just this week in their cars by themselves wearing those little surgical masks you can get at the drugstore. Not in 95 masks. We know those little drugstore surgical masks, they're not doing you a bit of good. We allowed people to embrace their mental health struggles, made manifest in their fear of getting the virus. I was in a restaurant the other night. It's a essentially a wood panel dive bar I've been going to for a long time with my family. Great burgers. A couple came in with their child. They were all wearing their N95 masks. They were the only people in this place wearing their masks. They sat at a booth, surrounded by other people. The waiter came to take their order. They kept their N95 masks on when they ordered. Only when their drinks came did they take their masks off. Once they took their masks off, they didn't put their masks back on. The husband had broken his leg or knee or something. He had one of those little scooters, and it was kind of blocking things, and the wait staff came by and asked them if they would move it. The wife got up and moved her husband's scooter across the restaurant, never put her mask back on to walk across the restaurant, walk through the crowd. Made no sense to me.
a lot of it seems to be virtue signal. A lot of what we learned during COVID were lessons that will fundamentally change the way we do business in this country, in particular that too much of our public health staff was too arrogant to admit they made mistakes or too confident and too disdainful of the average American to explain why the data changed, to keep people up on why the data changed. And it seeded so much distrust in this country. The fallout in education is still playing out. The regressive nature of, of keeping kids at home and out of school, it's still playing out. You know there's going to be a demand on the left for some sort of government bailout of kids who fell behind in COVID when a lot of people in red states in particular didn't fall behind as bad because their governors reopened the states. And they're still ridiculed for reopening their states and their people are doing better. Three years ago, Donald Trump, president of the United States, put Tony Fauci and Deborah Burks behind the White House podium and the three of them began to shut the nation down. Joe Biden didn't do that. Donald Trump did that. The sign behind the President of the United States, Donald Trump, said 15 days to stop the spread. Three years later, it's still spreading. People are still dying. And Americans have gone back to business. It's not a bad thing. We've moved on with our lives. The virus is still an issue, but it's continued to mutate in ways that make survivability so much better. But public trust is so eroded still, it's hard to get people to buy into anything the experts say these days. And you can't really blame people for that. So my kid has a queen size bed. We've got a king size bed. We got him bull and branch sheets and he's used them. He had like kid sheets and now he's old enough. He doesn't want the, the action figure sheets anymore. Well, we got lost because I mean, the sheets look like our sheets, except they're queen size sheets and they got put in our closet and the kid was in despair. We got him bowl and branch sheets. They've gotten softer and softer. And he's like, where are my real sheets? He refused to sleep until we found the real sheets because they're that soft. They're that good. They're made with a 100% organic cotton thread. They get softer in every wash. You can stay cozy all winter long with a set of bowl and branch sheets. They really are that good. We have them on multiple beds in our house. My goodness, my seriously, my kid, uh, he's finally like, my sheets are for kids. I'm, I'm grown up now and... Uh, it's just a, a step of quality above what he had. And now he's like, can't sleep without these sheets. They're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They're made without toxins. They're free of pesticides, formaldehyde, other chemicals. They fit the deepest mattress too, which I love because we have a very thick mattress on our bed and it fits. It doesn't like bunch up and then snap off in the middle of the night when you roll over. You can get 15% off your forced order Bowl & Branch sheets when you use promo code ERIC at BowlAndBranch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's Bowl & Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. I got to pull the curtain back here and, and uh, thank the engineers at my flagship station, uh, <laughs> Those guys are miracle workers. We started the program, and there's a there's a box called an access unit. 
in radio. And it connect, I have one in my office, and it connects me to my flagship station, WSB. And then WSB has an access unit that connects us to a satellite array in Denver, Colorado. That unit died about 30 minutes before I went on air. It died. Uh, it worked fine yesterday, didn't have any problems at all until 30 minutes before the show, and it just died which means that uh, my affiliates are now coming online and able to hear, and I got to apologize to them for having the dead air. It was hardware failure. They scrambled, the engineers scrambled. Now they're in the middle of a tower project, which means they don't have the bandwidth to be able to scramble, and they did anyway to help me out. Uh, And we're able to get a new access unit installed, up, running, and connected. So thank you, thank you, thank you to Charles Kinney and the team at WSB. Um, Couldn't have done it without them for sure. Uh, And my apologies to those of you nationwide. You're like, what's what's going on here? That's what's happening. Absolute hardware meltdown. What a mess. Um, But it's back online. I can't thank them enough for doing it. And my apologies to all of you. Now, let's talk about the French Bulldog. I don't know if you know this or not. There's a story out that the French Bulldog is now the most popular breed of dog in the United States of America. And it started with a celebrity trend, Lady Gaga and others having bulldogs. You know, her her French Bulldog got kidnapped. Um, There's this myth that French Bulldogs have a hard time breathing. Some of them do, uh, but a, a, a purebred in good condition doesn't. The French, what's so interesting, the French are leading the ban on French bulldogs. They, they don't want them anymore. Americans, however, love them. Interestingly enough, do you know the, uh, the, the least uh, popular breed of dog in the United States now? It's the English foxhound. Gorgeous dogs. Um, super, super happy dogs. Eh, but they're the least popular. What had traditionally been the most popular dog in the country is the Lab, uh, the Chocolate Lab and the uh, the Yellow Lab. We we've got a, a Golden Doodle in our house. I will tell you, we were we were so. I, I blame Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity convinced me that we if we we're going to get a dog, get a rescue dog. We went through multiple rescue dogs, and they were all insane. And we finally had enough after one. Well, we had issues. One bit my wife, gave that one back. The next one would run around the house in front of my wife and poop and demand she clean it up. It just, we finally set it out for a while, found a, a kennel and got a, a golden doodle puppy. My wife, very type A in this regard, hired a dog trainer. She gave us great advice. When you go to pick out your dog from a litter, never take the dog that comes up to you first. That's the dog that wants to control you. Wait for the dog that lets the pack thin out and then comes to you. And that is the dog choosing you to be its friend. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. Thanks again to the engineering team at WSB Radio for fixing the hardware malfunction that kept us off the air right at the start of the show. Uh, The phone number, if you want to be on the program, is 877-973-7425. I want to be a little free on the phones today for this reason. I, I've, I've mentioned to you I'm going to be gone next week. It is my kids' spring break. And 
I take off spring break every year with my kids because I enjoy spending my time with you guys so much. Uh, you know, it's I I I, I have to be careful how I say this because I don't want to come across as as I love my, don't love my wife and kids because I do very much, but I love hanging out with you guys so much every day. It is it's not a burden to be at work. It, it's a joy to be here. And I don't like being gone. I don't like taking days off. And I have taken a number of days off this year, and it's all been work-related. I've had to speak to groups of people during the day. I've had to either uh, take my wife to her oncology appointment or my kids to doctors when my wife was sick. I haven't really had a lot of downtime for myself other than the weekends. And I I just – I so enjoy – being on radio and hanging out with you guys and taking your calls and interacting with you guys. I went out with a listener last night. Uh, Joseph, if you're listening, had, had a ton of fun last night. Uh, we've been got to know him uh, as a listener, stayed up playing Halo. I'm terrible at it. He's great. Um, I just enjoy hanging out with you guys. So that being said, I am going to be gone next week. Now, I want to talk about this story out of San Francisco. You probably have heard some of the general details. San Francisco, California is considering a reparations plan. $5 million, not total, no, no, $5 million to every eligible black adult. The elimination of personal debt and tax burdens guaranteed annual incomes of at least $97,000 for 250 years and homes in San Francisco for just a dollar a family. If that sounds insane, it's because it is, and that means San Francisco is taking it seriously. This is a key paragraph here. There are some of these are some of the more than 100 recommendations made by a city appointed reparations committee tasked with the thorny question of how to atone for centuries of slavery and systemic racism. And the San Francisco Board of Supervisors hearing the report for the first time Tuesday voiced enthusiastic support for the ideas. Several said they were surprised to hear pushback from politically liberal San Franciscans apparently unaware the legacy of slavery and racist policies continues to keep black Americans on the bottom rungs of health, education, and economic prosperity and overrepresented in prison and homeless populations. Oh boy, now let me give you some data here. In San Francisco, black residents once made up 13% of the city's population. But more than 50 years later, they account for less than 6% of the city's residents and 38% of its homeless population. The Fillmore District once thrived with black-owned nightclubs and shops until government redevelopment in the 60s forced out residents. Fewer than 50,000 black people still live in the city, and it's not clear how they would be eligible. Possible criteria include having lived in the city during certain time periods and descending from someone incarcerated for the failed war on drugs. This is an absurdity. Under San Francisco's draft recommendations, a person would have to be at least 18 years old, 
and have identified as black African-American in public documents for at least 10 years. So you white people who've decided to identify as black, you're toast, you can't do it. Eligible people must meet two of eight other criteria. Those criteria include being born in or migrating to San Francisco between 1940 and 1996, and living in the city for at least 13 years, being displaced from the city by urban renewal between 1954 and 1973, or the descendant of someone who was attending the city's public schools before they were fully desegregated, or being a descendant of an enslaved person. Um, I want to make a couple of varying points here. I think this is absurd. And I would never be a resident of San Francisco, but if I were a resident of San Francisco, I would probably move before this went into effect because I don't want to pay for this. You know what's going to happen to your tax burden. For the rest of you, your tax burden is going to escalate. I also don't have a problem with San Francisco doing this. Evanston, Illinois has done this. The Boston City Council is studying this. If a local government overwhelmed with progressives decides they want to do it, let them do it with their residents and you can move. You don't have to subject yourself to it. I have a real problem at the federal level doing this. But if individual bastions of progressivism want to do this, let them do it and let the chips fall where they may. It'll end in disaster. The city of Evanston, Illinois, rather. No, no, no. It's, 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 is it Evanston, Illinois or Evanston, Indiana? Uh, yep, it's Illinois. Uh, they raised money from recreational marijuana. They decided to make reparations available. They claimed it'll do $10 million over the next 10 years with $400,000 to eligible black households. They'll receive $25,000 for home repair, down payment on property, interest or late penalties on property in the city. It hasn't worked out so grand and glorious for Evanston, Illinois. But let them do it. You get the government you vote for. My larger issue, though, is the mythology around reparations. And it is a mythology that uh, there's never been an attempt to to make um, descendants of slaves whole. There actually were attempts. They may have been flawed, and they may have been overwhelmed, overshadowed, or regressed, uh, receded during uh, the, the uh, period of... of um, restoration and reconstruction after the Civil War. But do you know how many white Union soldiers died on the battlefield to free slaves? The original language of the Battle Hymn of the Republic, they've changed it over time. Um, the One of the original versions had a line at the end of it, uh, in the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free. They changed the line 
The original was as he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free. And it got changed over time in some versions as he died to make men holy, let us live to make men free. But uh, the point from uh, the, the, the original poem set to music, Julia Ward Howell's poem, was all these Union soldiers were willing to die to set these people free. There's your reparations paid in blood on battlefields across America. That's one of the reasons the left has been so insistent on um, on buying into the whole systemic racism and the nation is woven with, with systemic racism, the 1619 Project to rewrite American history, is it's all about cash. It's all about money. They want money. They want, a, they want a great deal of cash. They want to be paid out. They want money. What is interesting uh, from my vantage point here uh, with this is that the inoperable standards of it, who gets it, the complexity. San Francisco is running into this problem. San Francisco does not actually have the money to be able to foot the bill for what they've decided to virtue signal they want. They do not have the money. They don't have the dollars. They don't have the capital. And they're having massive flight out of the city. They're having white flight, Asian flight, black flight, you name it. The city of San Francisco is collapsing under the weight of its progressivism. It's virtually impossible to open a new restaurant in the city of San Francisco now. It can take two to three years to open a restaurant in San Francisco because of the bureaucracy. And now you're going to tell those brand new businesses, guess what? We're going to saddle you with the burden of reparations. Didn't we have the Great Society? Didn't we have the Civil War? Didn't we have all those things? The people who want reparations, forget all that. Was American society unfair after the Civil War and racist? You're damn right it was. Did Southern states impose Jim Crow to try to regress the rights that that black Americans had won through the the 13th and the 15th Amendment? Absolutely, they did. Are we people filled with sinners? Absolutely. But have we advanced? We've had the first black president of the United States. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. We've had the first black president of the United States. We now have the first black Asian vice president of the United States. The man who represents South Carolina in the United States Senate is a black man. We've made incredible progress. Time heals all wounds. What these people want, who want the reparations movement, is they actually want racism to fester in the country. They make money off of it. These people writing their woke books on reparations and anti-racism and the like, if they just allowed time to heal all wounds, they would not be able to cash in. They are profiting off racial non-reconciliation, racial hostility in the country, racial grievance in the country. The idea that the United States is woven with systemic racism, woven into the systems of the country, woven into the government of the country. I'm sorry, if the country was systemically racist, Barack Obama would not have gotten elected president. But they don't want you to think logically about it. It's all about emotion. So San Francisco intends to advance reparations. By the way, you should know the lead proponent of reparations in San Francisco, his argument is that it's not enough, that they need to do more money, that the city should bankrupt itself because of how black people in San Francisco were treated, a union state, by the way, that did not join the Confederacy. He wants more. He says it's not enough. It's never enough 
when your entire livelihood depends on stirring racial grievance, it's never enough. The problem for San Francisco is they don't have the money. They're not going to have the money. And in the places this has been tried, like Evanston, Illinois, they can paint a rosy picture all they want. It hasn't worked out the way they've claimed it was going to work out. It won't work out in San Francisco either. That Not only do they have the, not have the money, all they will do is, is stir up more racial animus. This, this is, I think, part of the issue with reparations. And then, you know, the side thing here, let's just say they got it. Let's just say everybody got reparations. All descendants of slaves in this country got reparations. You know what would happen? All the people who had to fork over the money would just say, all done, we did it, go on. Nobody would change their hearts. Nobody would change their minds. The problems would still exist. The problems would still remain. And everyone would say, well, we gave you the money. We're done. We're done trying to find racial justice. We're done trying to find racial equality. We're done dealing with the issue. You go be you with that money. The problems would still exist. The problems would still fester. The problems would not go away, but people would rid themselves of any obligation to try to work on the problems. You cannot deny that would happen. Reparations would actually be regressive. A great company fighting the nonsense out there from the left is Patriot Mobile. You should do business with Patriot Mobile because they're a Christian conservative cell phone provider. You can take your business from your cell phone company to Patriot Mobile, take your existing cell phone number, and if you have an unlocked phone, take it as well. And Patriot Mobile will give you guaranteed great service probably on the exact same cell phone towers that you're already using. You get 5G data voice. All you do is go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Now, what sets them apart? Well, they're a Christian conservative company that puts their money where their mouth is. They have spent more than $10 million of their profits helping conservative causes, conservative candidates. They amplify your commitment to the conservative cause by growing their profits. They're able to grow their commitment to the pro-life cause, to the Second Amendment cause, to conservative candidates around the country. And all you got to do is take your cell phone service to them. That's it. You can even take your existing cell phone number to them so nothing changes except the company you're doing business with. You can also call them 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT, or go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. If you call them 972-PATRIOT, instead of going to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, you go to 972-PATRIOT, tell them I sent you. They will give you free activation with my name, and they also give you great discounts. If you're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, a teacher, got a lot of lines for your house, they give you great discounts. Good people to work with. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Well, I mentioned a little bit yesterday, uh, the movement continues to ban natural gas stoves around the country. This is, this is one of those patterns with the left. They announce they're going to do something. People on the right object. They say, no one said they're going to do it. Lies, lies, no one said it. And the right keeps pointing out their own words and they keep saying lies and then they do it. And well, you, you're, you're a hater if you don't go along with it. If you don't go along with it, you, you've hated it. It's, we see it with the transgender movement, the drag queen story. Nobody's doing drag queen story hour. And then it's a good when when it's exposed. Yes, they are doing it. Why don't you like it? Why aren't you doing them, you bigot? Now they're telling people, if you don't want to get rid of natural gas, you are a bad person. You want to destroy the environment. 
in Washington state, they're going to refuse to allow the gas company to connect new houses to natural gas. Not only that, they're increasing regulation on on natural gas stoves. You know what's going to actually happen here? Uh, In the Northwest, there's a large Asian community. Asian communities tend to eat based on use the wok as a as a uh, major tool in the kitchen. Woks require very high heat. Uh, if you go into an Asian home, very often they will have a wok burner. Wok burners put out way more flame and heat than your standard gas stove. There are sometimes adapters for natural gas stoves. There, there are a lot of heat that comes off a wok. They cook very, very fast. you got to do all of your prep in advance. Everything's got to be cut up and ready to go for the wok because food comes out real quick and delicious in a wok. It is the, um, it, it's the cast iron skillet for Asian culture. And you can't have a wok without gas. You cannot cook with a wok without gas. The flat bottom wok is not really a wok, and it doesn't get as hot as quickly. And so in Washington State, they're actually going to cause problems for Asian families who cook with woks and open flames because they're doing this. It's, there's, a, there's a level of paternalistic racism in what they're doing. Will the Asian community complain? Or maybe they'll just move. We'll see. When we come back, we got to move on. The IRS is leaking data of wealthy Americans. Another major wave of leaks has happened, and the federal government is doing nothing to investigate it. They're going to undermine people's faith in the tax system. They're coming after the wealthy now, but if they're coming after the wealthy, they could come after you as well, and no one in the Biden administration seems to care. We need to talk about this. It's actually a big story. Also, it's Open Line Friday, and I'm going to be gone next week, so if you want me to answer your questions, today's the day to do it, 877-973-7425. And subscribe to the daily email, please. Text DATA to 33777. Get on the list now. When we come back, the IRS. Also, the media is really trying to paint Ron DeSantis as the second coming of Scott Walker. I'll tell you why that probably won't work, even as DeSantis is going down in some polling. 